Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Oh, I am so excited about today's episode. Happy Halloween for everyone who was celebrating. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our last episode entitled, Why Can't We Be Friends? The Art of Civil Discourse, we highly recommend you go check that out. It is a very powerful episode, a special episode about engaging with others who have differing viewpoints and the power behind that. Life is a team sport, and we can't play together if we can't engage in civil discourse. So if you haven't listened to it, please go back and give that a listen. You won't regret it. Our highlight reel today takes us to Hawksbill Crag in Arkansas. A photographer was taking pictures of the view when he noticed a couple. The man was down on one knee. We all know what that means. It was an engagement. She said yes, and the photographer caught the moment. After returning home, he shared his pictures of the couple online on Facebook in hopes to find the couple and share the photos. Within three days of the picture-slash-engagement, the couple was found and identified themselves. Although they did have a photographer, they did not have the right angle capturing the beautiful and famous view of Whitaker Point there. And so they were very excited, obviously, to have those pictures. And they were from out of state, which made it even more special to them. This is a perfect example of someone looking outward and just capturing the opportunity and moment in this case to serve their community and make someone else's day. I love these stories, and thanks for sending that one in, Crystal. Really appreciate it. Now, let's get into today's episode. I can't wait to introduce you all to one of my favorite people. He is one of the most talented and incredible people I've ever met. He is a masterful musician, graphic designer, videographer, photographer, and strategic consultant. He's the co-founder and co-managing partner of TNG Consulting, where they help companies discover and define where they are going and why. And as good at all that stuff as he is, he's an even more gifted husband, father, and friend. And he just so happens to be my brother-in-law. Without further ado... Give a warm welcome, wherever you are, to the one and only Guy Welcome to the Happiness Playbook, Guy. Hey, thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it. And the moment you said, I'm your brother-in-law, it just negated everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, family has to say something nice. But thank you for saying it. I appreciate it. Uh, It No, it's actually the opposite. That's actually going against you as my brother-in-law. You know, you you had to to burst past that title. (laughs) Oh, man. No, I'm so excited to have you with us uh, today. There's so many topics and uh, things to explore here. Um, I think, and again, I know you're my brother-in-law. But uh, it's just a fact. You are such a multifaceted individual, 
And anyone who knows you would back me up when I say it's just the the sheer volume of talent and and just the diversity of talent is uh, is daunting as a a host of a podcast to to extract <laughs> um, from. But I'm I'm just so excited, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of places we could start. I think. But before we were in-laws, before uh, you were my brother-in-law, we actually crossed paths a few times. And so the first time we actually crossed paths, we were both in an improv troupe out here in Utah, the Improvables. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and be, so real quick, thank you for all your kind words. And, and the Improvables, that's the troupe we were a part of. It's no wonder that you're doing a podcast on happiness now, because my first impression of you, Neil was just you were just a walking beam of happiness and i've seen that since the improvables troupe that kind of the first experiences we had kind of doing comedy together um all the way through some experiences we had working together later on at a at a college and then to being brother-in-laws like you this is not you're not putting on like a, a face here on this podcast like you are truly this is who neil is everybody that's listening he is happiness personified and it's a choice that you make like it's so cool that you're teaching people how to be happy because i see the habits you formed in how to choose happiness daily and it's not some fake thing that you're doing it's it's a real choice that that you've trained yourself on making and i saw it day one in the improbables troop uh just being hilarious it was coming from a, a deep part of your heart and soul i don't know if i've ever told you this actually but you were literally like 80% of the reason we kept going back to the improbables. And I know that sounds, that sounds so made up, but it's so true. And when I have, um, when I have Jordan, it was Jordan Fultz, right? Oh yeah. Jordan's amazing. When I have him on, he'll, he'll totally back me up. It was like, we went and, and we experienced Guy Gibbons and we were like, wow, we want more of that. Like we, we loved how you, you played, you know, how you, how you did improv, but like how you were off stage as well. And so play theory, it's these principles that are, are about play and creation and connection and they work, they make improv work, but off stage they make life work. Right. And, and you, now it's my turn to, uh, to inflate your ego. You really were so much of that on and off stage. And, and so, yeah, we, oh, we've you. had a lot of fun times together and <laughs> there will be many more fun times together. The reason I really wanted Guy to come on the Happiness Playbook was because he has very deep knowledge and experience with applying some of the play theory principles in what he does professionally but also in his personal life and especially in his family. And so we want to get into all of that. Um, but first off, I thought it'd be kind of fun. You've been a busy man. You've got a lot of projects going on, but particularly uh, not too long ago, you really doubled down on sharing your music and, and you've been putting out content and YouTube videos. And anyway, I just wanted to kind of turn it over to you and let you share a little bit about what you've been up to. I've been passionate about music and uh, video creation for music for my whole life. And then about five or six years ago, I really got passionate about video creation. And uh, uh, about five years ago, I started a YouTube channel and challenged myself to this kind of 
this silly kind of 90 day challenge where I was going to try and create something every day. And then fast forward, uh, five years, I still have the bug where I'm like dying to create and release, uh, the music that I write and create videos to them and just share, just share what's inside. I, I love the quote and I'm, it's a, it's a book and I forget the, the man's name who wrote the book, but, but basically he, the name of the book is, uh, don't die with you, with your music still in you. And Ooh, that's so I good. haven't read the book, but I, I've only heard the title, but the title has just, it struck my core the first time I heard it. And I, I visit it frequently when I'm creating or when I'm trying to, to motivate myself, because I really don't want to go to my grave, not having poured out the, the music that's in me. And I think that's a principle that applies to anybody. It's not just music. If whatever's inside of you, that is just, you know, crying to get out. That's, you know, there's just drives you to create, you know, that could be a business. It could be actual art. It could be, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're driven to create, don't, don't die with that in you, you know, like get it out there. And, and so that's, that's been a big part of kind of this whole creation process is continually trying to, to, uh, encourage myself, get myself pumped up enough to go to the next song, the next video and, and, uh, keep releasing so that I don't die someday with, with my music still in me. Oh, I love that. We're just getting started here and you're already dropping such <laughs> awesome oh, nuggets. Man. It's so good. And we're for sure going to link your YouTube channel in the the show notes so you can go and, and see some of what Guy's been up to. But And just musically, you have such a gift and talent, obviously, for um, composing, playing, directing, shooting, filming, all of the above. So if you want to see all of um, kind of a culmination of all these amazing talents come together, make sure you go check out and subscribe. I just want to ask you the question, you know, let go and play is, uh, is one of the four play theory principles. And I want to know how has let go and play helped you create and share music? So I love this principle and it, it is kind of woven into every part of the creative process for me, mainly because it's so hard for me to do. Uh, and so it's a nice challenge to have when I'm creating. I think, I think of a couple of different sources that have really kind of tried to help me face this, let go and play. Uh, anybody who's listening, who's, who's an artist, they'll, they'll relate that there's something about creating that. I was listening to a, uh, not a podcast, but I was watching a vlog by an artist that I love. His name is Jack Conti. And I look up to him a lot. And apparently he's dealt with some of these same struggles with creating. And, and the, the struggles I'm referring to are not necessarily the, the creating itself, because sitting down at a piano for me is very cathartic and fun. Um, but, but the part of the process when it's time to quote unquote, finish a song or finish a piece of art, that's the part that gets really, really difficult as well as sometimes starting, sitting down and actually saying, okay, I'm going to not just noodle on the piano here, I'm going to try and compose something and I'm, I'm going to try and see it to the end. And uh, I was watching this vlog by Jack Conti and he was, talking, he was talking about this challenge that he faces as well. And he said, we have a vocabulary problem for, for anybody who's creating something. And again, it doesn't have to be art. It could be, you know, a business or a family or whatever it is. We've got this vocabulary problem and he talked about the word finish and oftentimes people say, well, when are you going to finish the song or the video or your painting or your book, you know? And when we think of the word finish, we, we associate the word finish with like, I finished a meal 
I, I uh, finished reading a book. You know, there's this finality to finishing something that almost is like a gut punch for a creator um, to like that, you know, that's a cliff that nobody, no creator wants to, to go off of. You know, it's, it's like to finish a song, it's done. I can't change anything. I can't add anything anymore. That's, you know, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard idea to think about. Wow. And so anyway, he, he talks about this vocabulary problem and, and, uh, and he says, he, he says we have to shift our, our mindset. We have to shift the word from finish to, and he, he gives his example, which is publish. He says we have to kind of shift our mindset from the word finish to publish. And what he means by publish is that when we start a song or when we start whatever we're creating, we have to consider the part where we release it to the world as a part of the creative process that no, nothing we've started can truly be, be its best version of itself until we've released it and shared it with someone else. And when he shared that, I, I mean, it was a, a really big revelation to me because art is so personal uh, when we create whatever it is we're creating, it's such a personal thing, and we do it for our own personal reasons. But to think that the the, the process isn't finished until we've shared it with someone else, uh, I think that ties into some other uh, other play theory principles as well, like look outward. But it's just it it changes everything for me. It's like oh, I am doing this for other people, and that's why I have to get it out, even if even if it falls flat, even if nobody really likes it, even if only one person likes it, I'm doing this so that it can be released so somebody else can enjoy it. It's no longer about me. It's about giving and it changes everything. And so that, that vlog, Jack Conti's vlog on that about publishing versus, versus finishing was huge for me. That is so good. I'm, I'm just like exploding with, with thoughts and, and follow-up questions because I think that's something we've all experienced, um, especially, you know, those that are trying to put themselves out there and and share ideas or, or you know, art or whatever it is. Like you mentioned, we've all experienced that fear of, you know, posting and, and putting it out to the world. But the paradigm shift you're teaching us here is so important because the finality of finished is is really detrimental, um, especially for an artist who wants to kind of live in a state of creation and and innovation, right? right yeah, and right. so the just publish it. And I love how you brought in the why behind the art, right? It's so that you can share with others. And to bring in another piece to this beautiful discussion is, you will not get better at what you do until you share. You get feedback, right? When people resonate with your work, you'll know it. And you'll never get that feedback in order to double down on, on you know, your talents and gifts or to make adjustments and move forward until you share and until you publish. Right. And so I, I love that you brought that up. We don't want to die with the song inside of us. And that is, oh, that is such a good quote. Well, and I love what oh, you're saying. Thank you. You're so right, too, that, I mean, this whole principle of let go and play, though, think about it, it letting go and just just giving, getting it out there and and saying, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be 
you know, I'm going to fall flat. One of these, one of these things or all, you know, one of these days, somebody's going to come out and say, Hey, you know what? I'd like it better if you did it this way. And am I going to let that be a huge blow to my ego or am I going to let go? And am I going to accept that as part of the, the creative process is receiving feedback. And that's how I'm going, like you were saying, that's how I'm going to improve. And personally, uh, I'll get vulnerable here for a second. I, I struggle with that. I, that's one of the reasons I think it's hard for me to finish the creative process by sharing because I care so much about what I'm doing that that I've got some pride stuff going on when when somebody has their thoughts and they want to share them with me. Um, my team at work can attest to this, uh, you know, that I, I have to work pretty hard to be humble and receive feedback sometimes because it's hard it's hard to to watch your baby get criticized, you know, even if somebody's doing it with with love, you know, and good intentions. But but letting go and playing is the only way we can improve. And in my experience, it's the number one best way to increase my motivation to do it again. That is so awesome. Feedback can be hard. It, like I think it is for a lot of people. And I know, you know, since I know you so well, you are a man of quality. If I could think of one descriptor word to describe you, it would be quality. And so, and, and you put your heart and soul into what you produce and, and create. And so I know, especially when you are sharing something that's very important to you, that you have put so much time and energy and emotion into that can be hard to, to uh, you know, expose it to the world and subject it to that feedback and, and criticism. But that is, as you said, the only way to really find the development and the progress, but also the meaning behind all of that creation in the first place. So thank you so much for sharing that. There's so much more we could go into about uh, about the, the music and stuff, but um, I'll just ask this question. In the music creation process or, or in the, I guess, just the creative process in general, whether it's music or design or video or what, whatever um, that might be, how have you felt play theory really help kind of before that publish phase and getting brave and sharing it? How does it help you before that in the, the preceding steps? Oh, man, I would say there's every part of the the creative process, you could probably tie in a play theory principle, uh, you know, to each kind of part of the process from kind of the conceptualization stage and um, kind of accepting and building, you know, ideation. Um, I was just at a lunch earlier and uh, during the lunch, th we were having a conversation, uh, the person I was eating lunch with and and discussing some different ideas on, on how to solve, uh, you know, the problem we were discussing. and and it, it struck me as kind of funny. At one point, I shared an idea that kind of seemed hair, harebrained, and and I noticed <laughs> how this person accepted it and and just took it and was like, "Yeah, okay." And it and it was this moment that just kind of reminded me, like, here we are trying to solve a problem, trying to create a solution, trying to create a solution, and the, the accept and build part of that um, that that part of creation was so important. Had had this person I was at lunch with just said. Ooh, that's kind of a lousy idea. You know, it could have killed the creativity and the, the kind of momentum that we had going in this, in this meeting. And it's the same thing for when I'm writing a song, 
It's the same thing for if I'm creating a script for a film or whatever it is, if we're creating, you know, an ad campaign for a client, whatever it is, when it's time to come up with ideas, um, it, I have to be practicing all of these principles. I have to be present. I have to be willing to let go and just be loose and, and, you know, and just get out there and let things happen how they happen and leave my ego at the door. I have to take other people's ideas. I have to take, if, if it's me at the piano and I play a chord that's kind of strange and it's like, well, I don't know if that's where I want it to go. However, maybe it could lead me somewhere else. So I just kind of go with it. And so I accept and I build. And then obviously the, the entire process has to be accompanied by this desire to give. It can't be a taking situation internally, I think. You can feel the difference when you're trying to innovate and problem solve and you're surrounded by builders. The energy is there, the the progress, the ideation, it's all there and it's it's magical. It really is magical. And the flip side, you know, is also true when you're around wreckers or people that are tearing down ideas or being critical and pessimistic, it's the opposite. The energy vacates the room, people put the walls up and the innovation and creativity dies. And so it, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a job interview, whether you're creating a song, problem solving, having a difficult conversation with a significant other whatever it is, they all apply here. And thank you for sharing those insights. Please. I had this experience. Um, if I'm being a giver, then everybody will feel it. And these play theory principles can just bubble over in, in uh, kind of effectiveness and efficiency. And if I'm taking, then I just kill it. I will kill the mood. I will, you know, I'll destroy the the possibilities. And so I can't make it about me. And that's, that's been one of the challenges that I've faced with with creating music. Even this last music video, the last two music videos I've released, I'm I think I'm the only one on camera. And there might be somebody like walking their dog in the background in one of the shots on the the first music video, but <laughs> it's it's kind of all about me, and that's been a challenge. I've I've really tried to be mindful and almost prayerful, like inviting you know just positivity into what I'm creating so that the viewer won't feel like, wow, this is just one giant celebration of guy's face. You know, like that's not what I want it to be. <laughs> and I hope it's not coming off that way, but, but it's tough. Cause sometimes that's the case. It's like, it is going to just be you, but you can still somehow, if you get your heart in the right place, you can go out there and you can make it about others. Even if you're kind of the, in the, in the limelight, you know, cause that will happen sometimes. So any performance has an intent. And if your intent behind that performance is to look outward and to share and connect with those you're performing to, then you can feel that. I know you have a philosophy and a brand called Subtract. And I'm, I'm so excited for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about this, but it really ties in beautifully with the play theory principle of being present and so can you explain the idea and inspiration behind Subtract yeah. and along with being present, how it's helped you get more out of life? Yes, thank you. I, I love this, this uh, the be present play theory principle because of I've seen it in my own life, how, how crucial and important it is. Otherwise, if I don't practice it, again, I start to draw inward and kind of you know, I start to be a taker. And so this be present principle and subtract is kind of how I refer to it in, in some instances in my life. But 
it all began for me, I was reading an interview from a, a music artist by the name of James Blake. And uh, just a quick little kind of side note and, and kind of guilty confession here. I'm a big synthesizer nerd. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I might even have one kind of hooked up to this audio system. I was messing with it earlier. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> yes. so, so I. Oh, oh, you're not getting off the hook that easy. It's, you have to. You have to play us something now. Oh, you got to give us a little little something. That's what. That's all I'll play right there. <laughs> so, oh, I've I've got awesome. a synthesizer right here, and I'm I love synthesizers. And this this artist James Blake, he he is a big synthesizer musician as well. Like he's really really proficient and, and fun to listen to. And I was reading an interview about how he approaches music production. How does he approach writing songs and then producing the songs that he's written? And he, he just spoke straight revelation to my mind the entire interview. It was so cool what he had to say about his approach. And this is kind of the, the gist of his approach. He would record all of the parts he heard in his mind. So get the vocals, get the keyboards, the drums, bass, whatever, whatever else needs to go in. And once he had recorded all the ideas or most of the ideas he had for a song, he would then start listening to each part and he would challenge every part. And it was almost like uh, it was almost like each part that was recorded had to prove itself worthy for the song after it had been recorded. And so if it wasn't good enough, he would just get rid of as many tracks as possible so that the song could be. I mean, by by most kind of standards, the song would feel very stripped down and um, empty in a lot of ways musically. And he did that because he wanted he wanted only the most important musical parts to be in the song, and he didn't want anything clouded by uh, any distractions. And so that was kind of the first introduction I had to this thought of subtract was his approach oh, to music so production, getting rid of all of the distractions so that the song can have the most harmonious and meaningful parts in it. And, and this ties in as well to, I, I brought up synthesizers earlier, but the synthesizers that he plays a lot of the time, they're known as subtractive synthesizers. And this is nerdy for a quick second, but basically a subtractive synthesizer uses a form of synthesis to produce music that requires you to subtract from the sound. It can only take away from the sound that you're hearing. And so without getting into the spe specifics of how that's done and <laughs> just super nerdy <laughs> town, I won't, I won't put any, any of your listeners through this. But That'll be a bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, you're just, what you hear is, is a product of having subtracted from something in subtractive synthesis. And so yeah, me being a nerd in synthesizers, I started to see some truth there as well. But then I started thinking about um, for the client work that I do on um, you know, the marketing agency that, that I, that I co-own, uh, we produce videos all the time for clients. And I started noticing this technique that we use where we use this whole subtract principle in production of a video and the audio and how they interplay. And so what we do is when the video, when the audio, like the voiceover, you know, whoever's narrating or whatever, whenever, when it's in the video, there's music typically behind it and somebody speaking and music, they can compete, especially if you're just wanting both to be loud. And so we would employ this technique of subtracting by getting rid of some of some parts of the music that compete the most with the voice. It's called EQ. And 
And so I saw another in, in kind of my passionate music world and audio and what I'm doing for work. I saw another example of this whole kind of get rid of some distractions so that the most important part can come through. And, and it just started to be this theme in my life. Like, wow, I need to get rid of all of the distractions so that the most important things in my life can, can shine through. And, and I mean, talk about applying to be present. I mean, if I, if I let uh, distractions in my family, in my home, in my work life, in my personal relationships, if I let everything boil up to the top, if I push the volume up of everything in my life so that everything's at 100%, I won't be able to tell what's important and what's not. It'll all just feel like one gigantic um, distraction. But if I start to pull the volume down on things that aren't as necessary, they're not the important, they're not the important or urgent things in life, you know, that the quadrant thing there by uh, Stephen R. Covey, I start to leave room so that the most important parts of life's music can come through and shine. And unfortunately, I've learned this lesson more through failure probably than through, you know, doing it really well. But but it is, I feel it's a, such a true principle. And when I practice this whole subtract or be present thing, then the music really sings and life becomes more enjoyable. I start to hit home runs where I need to hit home runs. You know, it's, it's just, I, be, I, I become a better human being and I, I deliver where I need to deliver as a husband and father, a community member. You know, th- everything starts to fit into place because I'm being intentional with what I'm giving my attention to. So. I had so many thoughts as you were sharing that. I think of this idea of potency as well. Mm. And, you know, you have a concentrate, um, you know, you have cleaners that are, that are concentrated, right? And it's because they've, they've removed the, the water, the excess water from there, and they're really concentrated and powerful, but then they can be diluted, right? If you if you add that water into it, it dilutes it and it becomes less powerful. That's mm. the same idea. And I love subtract. I love the philosophy. I love the shirt that you got me. There's uh, <laughs> hopefully more to come there on the swag department. Sure. Um, we'll uh, we'll get you all on a waiting list if uh, you're interested. But um, but thank you so much for sharing that. And there's so much uh, more we could talk about there. But I just wanted to share this quote by Steve Jobs, actually, as well about simplicity. He says, simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. Thank you, Steve Jobs, for that nugget. And thanks, Guy, for sharing this concept of subtract. It's so powerful. You bet. Way to end it with the Steve Jobs quote. That (laughs) should have just started with that. Started with that and skipped the synthesizer. (laughs) No way. We want more synthesizer. Perfect. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the professional setting and the creative process, and we dove deep into subtract and being present. I want to shift gears now a little bit and let's go back into the personal life and particularly accept and build also commonly referred to as yes. And in the improv community, um, this is a very powerful principle, but I want to know now how accept and build has benefited your marriage and also as a parent, how that has benefited your life. Great question. Thank you. I love 
I love the the imagery that accept and build gives me when I when I try and apply it um, or correlate it to my children and my relationship with them and especially my my relationship with my wife. By the way, my wife is so much better at this accept and build principle. She really is so good at at kind of taking whatever comes at her and then going with it and building upon it and making it, you know, uh, something making something beautiful out of it. But as I think about um, as I think about accept and build and and how it correlates to my family life, I almost feel like it's the only it's the only path to to like a happy home is is living this principle regularly. If I'm too rigid as a father or as a husband, again, it almost ends up feeling like I'm taking and I'm not giving the autonomy that my children deserve to to make choices and to see that their dad supports them. You know, letting them put the the goldfish in the milkshake as a friend of mine showed a video of <laughs> of his son doing it the other day a while back you know letting our children have those choices those opportunities to choose and being supportive to them and saying yeah do it and then what else can you know what what comes next let's be there together and do it it's crucial otherwise i i feel like what i'm communicating to my children is you don't know and so because you don't know and i don't have time to teach you or i don't have time to let you learn you know, you're not worth, you're not worth my time. You're not worth the time it will take to teach you. It's like, I'm not sending the right message. Um, if that makes any sense. And last night, uh, I, I took my son out. We ran a couple of quick errands. And when we came home, all the children and my wife came out onto our driveway and, and our oldest daughter ran inside and came outside, came back out with markers and papers and books to color on and some bread and honey and carrots. <laughs> and she set them all down on the driveway. And she was like, okay, everybody. She, she had us all sit down. She's like, here's what we're doing. And she she took kind of our impromptu kind of fun moment. And she, she saw something greater. She explained to us, we're going to do this activity. We're going to read the books that are here. And then we're going to take the pieces of paper. We're going to draw on the pieces of paper what we learned from the books. And then we're going to share it with everybody. And then we're going to have honey bread. And you can have carrots whenever you want. Like she had this entire activity <laughs> planned out in her mind in a split second. And it was an opportunity for my wife and I to say, well, it's getting close to dinner time. We better go inside actually and get ready for dinner. Or we could say, uh, heck yes, we're going to do this. Let's do it now. You know, like we're all in. And so we sat, we, we, we celebrated that, that opportunity she had seen. We had this fun uh, impromptu activity with carrots whenever we wanted them, honey bread and, you know, markers and paper and books. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget that night. And I'll try not to get emotional over it. It was just, it was a dream come true to see our family interacting that way. And it all came from this accept and build and it started with our oldest daughter. It wasn't just uh, my wife and I that accepted and built on what happened, but it was my daughter that saw, hey, we're all on the front porch or on the driveway. We're having fun. And then she threw something out there and that takes courage. It's hard to be the one that, that's saying, hey, I think I see something bigger here. Here's an idea. It's yeah. hard to be the courageous person that does that, but it's nice to know in a family setting, especially I can do that. And I, and I know that my family's going to accept and build whatever it is, even if, you know, sometimes the answer will have to be, oh, I'm so sorry, we don't have time or, hey, that's a fun idea. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have time to do that right now or whatever the, the case might be. But there's always a way to accept and build and, and to build up the person who had the courage to share that idea. And I applaud oh. my daughter if she if she's listening. I, I'm proud of her for doing that. 
that was really fun. So uh, just so, so much goodness can come from this principle if we practice it regularly in our homes. Oh, I love that story. And I wish everyone could experience your daughter because she is like the living, breathing, you know, accept and build. I mean, she is yeah. play theory. She maybe is, maybe yeah. we'll have her on the, the show. Maybe we could have her share <laughs> some idea. wisdom too. <laughs> but, uh, and, and just a quick note on that. I think obviously all the principles are, are connected in a way, but as a parent, it's really hard to, to, accept those offers from our children, even when they're, especially when they're over the top and, and inconvenient. And if we're not subtracting from our lives as parents and we're not being present and we're worried about the next thing or the future, or we're regretting the past, then it's really easy to justify turning those offers down from our children and, and denying them of that, that excitement and energy building. And so they, they all connect, but as we can be more present and really appreciate and live in the moment, it becomes easier to accept and build upon those special magical moments of our children. I love that story. Thank you for sharing. You know, it's not always just um, fun, lovely moments or, or fun ideas too that come to light. You know, accept and build can be especially important in moments when our children have something maybe a little bit difficult to share with us. Uh, how do we respond in that moment when, again, it takes courage to be the person that's throwing something out there that, you know, I think of our kids, if, if they've broken something or if they made a choice that they feel bad about and they're wanting to bring it to light so that they can kind of address it and move on and improve. And, uh, or even me as a husband, if I need to do something that way, or as a father, the attitude that, that we take as the one receiving, you know, if, if I don't, if I don't have the right mindset when, when my children come to me with something hard to share, I, I might not be accepting what they're sharing and I could ruin the moment for, for growth as in our relationship, as well as for that individual, for that child. And so this accept and build, it's, it, it is crucial in the home. And I, I'm just thinking about not only the fun moments where somebody has a a fun idea to bring honey bread and and carrots out on the driveway, but (laughs) But especially those times when somebody has something difficult they want to share, it's an opportunity for me as a father to, to say, I'm here for you, and I want to hear the hard stuff, and I want to accept it, and what can I do to be helpful? What can we do to build from this moment? That is so crucial as a parent, and it's so important. Those are the most important moments for you to accept and build on, yeah. but if you don't accept and build on the fun moments that come before those harder to share moments, uh, there may not be an offer from your child. They might not feel comfortable. And so I'm so glad you brought that up. That is, that is huge. If dad's not willing, you know, if dad doesn't accept and build when, when it's fun and you know, everything's rosy, there's no way he's going to accept and build when, when I have something really frustrating or embarrassing to share with him or whatever it might be, you know? So yeah, true. So true. Exactly. And Happiness is a skill, people. You got to practice. So that's that's what we're all about here on the Happiness Playbook. We got one more question here. It has just been such a fire hose of awesomeness and and goodness. And I'm so excited to release this out to the masses because uh, these are principles and experiences and wisdom that are really going to move the needle if if we apply them. 
Speaking of application, we have one question we ask every guest here on the Happiness Playbook, and uh, we always share a pro tip, which is a tangible way to apply the principles. So, Guy, what is one pro tip that you would like to share with our listeners on how to apply play theory in their lives? There are so many things I would I would love to encourage the listeners to do. Most of all, just just keep listening to this podcast and keep trying to practice what uh, what Neil's talking about. Just do that. Oh, that's, stop it! That's that's the first <laughs> pro tip. Um, I felt without a doubt that the pro tip I need to give or share or invite everybody to to practice is being a giver. And and what I mean by that again, coming back to earlier in our conversation, is when you're faced with the the resistance that comes when you're trying to build something good or important or inspiring or helpful there, the opposition will always come. It feels like, and when it does come practice shifting your mind away from the pressure onto the person that you're going to give this to whatever it is, you know, imagine that that life that you're trying to improve through whatever it is you're building, even if it's like a, you know, you're, you're building something in your wood shop, or again, that, you know, the, the application in your resume, think of the life you're trying to better through what you're creating and let that be the thing that drives you to continue. I find that if I look outward, uh, I always feel better inward. And so when I'm faced with that opposition, if I look outward and I think of the life I'm trying to touch, I always have a greater desire to power through the opposition, to not let it get me down and to keep creating that next song or that next music video or whatever it is so that I can see it through to the moment where maybe somebody will reach out and say, I needed this today. Thank you. You know, it it makes all the difference uh, when I look outward. So that would be my invitation. Be a giver, look outward, try to make it about others, and you'll find that you, you feel so much better inside. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been so fun having fun doesn't do it justice. It has been so many things. I I really am so grateful for you coming on and sharing all of these stories and beautiful principles with us in that amazing pro tip. And I just feel so uh, unbelievably lucky that I am your brother-in-law and I get to hang out with you and spend so much time around you and bask in all of this goodness. Um, but seriously, it was such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show, Guy. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, Neil. And thank you to uh, Play Theory for, for um, creating this podcast. This is, the, the world needs this. I think of 2020 and it's like, the world needs this this podcast now more than ever. I love I love repeating to myself, happiness is a skill and life is a team sport. All of those things that you say, I I just, I love listening to this podcast. It's not, I'm not, I'm not just a listener because I want to support my brother-in-law, although that's true. I, I listen because there are stuff, there are things being shared here that bring a lot of value to my day, to my daily life. So thank you for doing this. And I, I hope you'll continue doing it for a long, long time. And I better just give you one of these real quick. Better just throw that in there. (laughs) That is awesome. Oh, man. Life is indeed a team sport. And if you got Guy Gibbons on your team, you know you're going to be just fine. Thank (laughs) Thank you so much, brother, for coming on. Love you, man. Appreciate it. 
there you have it, folks. Hopefully you recover soon from all those truth bombs and blasts of awesomeness. One last bit of exciting news just for you guys, our listeners. Guy has these awesome subtract shirts. We talked a little bit about that in the episode about the movement of subtract and finding happiness and fulfillment through eliminating the unnecessary in your life. So these shirts that he's made and and put together as part of the brand and movement, which are super comfy, by the way. Um, he is offering, and we're partnering with him to not only give our listeners, you, a discount, but to also donate 50% of the proceeds to a local charity here in Utah called OSO, Orphanage Support Services Organization. So OSO sends volunteers all over the world to give face-to-face service in orphanages and supply millions of dollars in financial support. Most of the support has been to orphanages in Ecuador and Thailand, but they have also supported orphanages in China, Africa, Vietnam, Peru, and Mexico. Their volunteers provide one-on-one nurturing and support and mentoring to these disadvantaged children who might otherwise never realize their potential. So there's lots of um, encouragement. There's lots of teaching and leveling up that happens there. Very awesome organization. We've done a lot of research to find one we're comfortable partnering with and are very excited about Oso. So if you want to be involved in the goodness, hop over to subtractapparel.com and use the discount code HAPPINESSPLAYBOOK10. That will get you 10% off one of these awesome shirts and provide direct support to the OSO organization, which is doing such cool stuff. So let's make the world a better place. Again, that is subtractapparel.com. And the discount code just for our listeners is HAPPINESSPLAYBOOK10. We'll put all of this in the show notes as well. Also, just wanted to remind you how crucial the reviews are for us to continue our reach and growth. As always, I want to remind you, nay, urge you, nay, plead you to leave a five-star review on Apple's podcast. Did that sound desperate enough? Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. It really makes a world of difference, so we really appreciate it. The upbeat jam that you heard at the beginning of this episode was Guy's hit single, Back to the Day. And the nutritious beat tapping your eardrum now is Everything's Okay, both of which can be found on YouTube by searching Guy Gibbons, and we'll have a link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. So make sure you go check it out. Thank you for tuning in today. Remember that happiness is a skill and life is a team sport. Catch you next week.